Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here with Are You Real and my amazing wife, Casey. And today we are going to be talking about the subject of faith, uh, talking about one of the five areas that we cover, faith, family, fitness, fun, and finances. And I'm really excited about today. We are going to be covering uh, a little bit about our backstory. And uh, I'm going to ask Casey some questions and we're going to share with you the God of miracles. So Casey, you ready? I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. So uh, Casey, why don't you give me a little bit, um, just kind of a 30,000 foot view of your background as we go into some of the things that God has done uh, for us and through us. Okay. Background as in like how I grew up type. Yeah. Just kind of an overview. We've talked a little bit about in the past. I think someday we can go into detail, but I've interviewed you before on it, but just kind of for those who've never obviously heard that story. Okay. So a quick version. Uh, Basically, I grew up in a broken home. Uh, My my parents divorced uh, by the time I was seven. And um, my mom was diagnosed schizoaffective and manic depressive. And so I grew up in a really dysfunctional environment, basically. Um, We were uh, very poor. We were on the welfare system. Um, Basically, um, we... um, My mom was in bed and not functioning very well most of the time. And so I was the mother figure in the home, raising my siblings, um, got them up for school every day, um, that kind of thing. Um, we, um, my mom did love us um, the best that she could, but it was definitely not a great environment for kids to grow up in. Um, so that is kind of a, a okay. short version. Um Okay, so one of the miracles we're going to talk about, I was just thinking about, we're going to dive into is having kids. So back up a little bit. uh, Stepdads? Yes, please. So uh, when I was nine years old, my mom met her third husband, and um, he began to sexually molest me by the age of 10, and this went on for years. Um, So... Basically, um, by the time I was 14, um, he had been sexually molesting me for about three to four years. Okay. Um, and then, so let's, uh, we'll fast track. Okay, so I'll, I'll give a quick overview of, of mine okay. real quick. So um, at age uh, nine, um, my, uh, my brother died. He was three. He drowned in a pool uh, because of the circumstances of that. Uh, ended up, uh, my parents, uh, we lost our, uh, my parents kind of had a little farm ish type deal, horses and all kinds of stuff, a boarding ranch out in the country. Uh, we lost that moved to, uh, kind of the ghetto, uh, was the ghetto actually, uh, in Glendale at the time, Arizona. And, um, 
grew up really rough. Uh, there was times where we didn't have uh, uh, hot water, had to take cold showers. Um, obviously, my, my mom went into a deep depression, got real heavily into drugs and alcohol, and didn't survive, uh, didn't do real well with that, and never came out of it, was in and out of prison several times. And then um, my dad is what I would call a, a just kind of a, a blue-collar drug addict. He, he got hooked on coke because he was working several jobs trying to support my sister and I. And then, um, it, you know, one of the memories I have growing up is just the police being at our house literally like three or four times a week because of domestic violence and uh, different things like that. And then uh, my way out uh, of town, I knew because we were poor, was going to be uh, getting a scholarship to play football. So I excelled at sports, uh, took a full ride, played football for a couple years, and um, and then met uh, amazing Casey. So that's kind of where we're um, we. And someday we can go into detail. I mean, there's a lot of missing pieces uh, in between. We just kind of gave you guys a thirty thirty thousand foot view. And, uh, and the reason I say that is because is that's not uh, – we always joke around and say between the two of us, there's really nothing we can't uh, sympathize or understand what people have gone through. We've just been through a lot. Um, but that's really not the point because uh, there's a scripture that we're going to dive into, uh, uh, ashes for beauty. God turns ashes into beauty. And uh, so I want to uh, – when Casey and I met, uh, first met in college – um, you want to take it from there a little bit or no? Um, I don't know where you're going with it, so you well, go ahead. Okay, so we uh, we meet we meet in college, and uh, long story short, we date. Uh, takes me about three months to get Casey uh, to go out on a date with me. She she was playing hard to get, and she's smirking right now as, as she's looking at me. Uh, asked her out several times. She stood me up more times than I could count. It works, ladies. I'm just saying. <laughs> So uh, apparently it works. Uh, I chased hard. I couldn't get Casey to go on a date with me every time she would stand me up. So I finally just started uh, going with her to do laundry. Uh, I did aerobics. Um, What else? I did a lot of different things. Uh, I babysat a house with her one time. Uh, Whatever she was going to do, I just went and uh, that is how I won her heart. So it worked. Uh, guys, that's sometimes if you can't get them to go on a date, you just uh, go to work with them. So, um, okay, so Casey and I meet. Uh, we end up moving in uh, together. Uh, Casey at the time was Miss Grant County. She was runner-up running for Miss New Mexico. Uh, I was on a football scholarship. And uh, we decided to move in together and uh, started to go to a small church and then from there went into uh, ended up going to another church with some friends. And uh, want me to take it from here? Yeah, take it from there. So basically, what happened was we were living together, but we were going to church. So um, we were both in our separate time. We were praying and reading our Bible. And one day, I told John, I said, I, "We need to talk." And basically, I shared with him what God had spoken to my heart, which was get married or separate. So at the time, we weren't really wanting to separate. We weren't really wanting to get married, but we knew that we didn't want to disobey God. And so um, we had to make a decision. And if we chose to obey God, then that meant cutting off a lot of things in our current life. And so 
we have considered our wedding day our salvation day because from that moment on, we decided that we wanted to obey God and walk with God. And uh, we called our pastor and we got married on my lunch break. Yeah, so I want to I want to intervene real quick on that. So uh, two things: one, God had spoke to me separately. So when you told me that, I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like the Lord told me the same thing. And then the other thing with that was is that was a really hard decision because we you were kind of picked. Uh, the following year to possibly win Miss New Mexico, you'd won uh, runner up and then you had won talent. Um, you had a uh, pageant mom. Uh, they had uh, really sweet people had poured a lot of money and a lot of time into you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were helping us at the time. And we knew by choosing to get married, uh, I was going to end up having to drop out of school uh, circumstance. You weren't going to be able to compete. And then on top of all that, we were going to lose all of the financial help that we were getting. So, Well, in fact, they even told us if we would wait, they would pay for our rent and everything for us to just wait and finish school, which is really enticing when you're a poor college kid without parents able to help you. Yeah. And the biggest thing was they said, we'll even pay for you guys to go on a honeymoon. Uh, we'll pay for your wedding. Uh, they were help a little bit paying for your school. Mm-hmm. Like it was a big deal. So we knew that making this decision, we were going, it would cost us at the time, everything that we had to obey God, literally everything. Yeah. So, okay. So we get married, uh, on your lunch break. Mm-hmm. Um, you go back, uh, we won't talk about our honeymoon. Today. We won't. We Someday. won't talk. It was. <laughs> it, uh, it, it should. It, it could be on one of the worst honeymoons ever. Uh, yes. Maybe uh, someday we will get rewarded. And <laughs> we'll tell the story and get a reward for it. It'll be funny. Um, so we get married, and then we'll fast forward a little bit. So we start going to church. Uh, kind of revival breaks out at this church. And uh, turns into services, what, three, four times a night, maybe, or five, so not a, wa- a week. Night, a week. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's like nightly church. We're kind of baby Christians. We're like really excited, learning stuff, seeing God move. Now, this was 21 and a half years ago or so. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. And um, so one night, uh, we're at the altar. And uh, I can't well, remember. Let me tell this first okay, before yeah. you. Yeah. Because this is important. Um, so basically, from all the things that had happened from my experience with my stepdad, I had already had some issues, um, female issues, and I went to the doctor, and I was told that I would possibly, more than likely, not ever be able to get pregnant. And so we, at the time, we were young. We were 19 and 20 when we got married, and... Um, So all I knew was that God was a big God and that He was my Father. And I began to pray, and I actually just said, God, this is not my sin, and I'm just asking you to heal me from, you know, whatever damage had been done. And so I actually went to John and told him, I'm praying that God will heal me. And he got these big, like, deer in the headlight eyes, and I said, I'm not asking him you know, for us to get pregnant right now, I'm just asking that he'll heal me so that, you know, if, if it's his timing, then I can get pregnant. 
Yeah. Basically. Okay. So, uh, so I think service is kind of ending from what I remember. And, uh, we go to the altar and we were just praying actually. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember why he called people up there. So we go up to the front, we're on our knees and we're just kind of praying and you could really feel the power of God, uh, at that time. And, um, we were, I was sitting next to you and Casey grabs my hand and squeezes it really tight and says, uh, well, actually I, bent over in pain. Yeah, and you said you feel. You said I feel like my stomach is on fire. I said no. I said, <laughs> <laughs> correct me, baby. I said God just healed me. I knew instantly. Uh, I bent over in pain and I grabbed John's hand, and instantly, like I felt the pain, and I, I, I felt in my spirit. I heard God say, "You're healed." And so I looked at him and I said, "God just healed me." So right as that happens. The evangelist was on the other side of the stage. He was probably about 50 feet away. He wasn't even by us. He just said, I don't know who this is for, but God just healed somebody's womb. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh my gosh. It was like a confirmation word of what Casey just had just said. And this is a shout out to Jody Rogers because he's had a pretty powerful healing ministry. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, you can look up Jody Rogers. Um, So... That was kind of the first taste for us to just be like, wow, God, you you do things. So what I love about this story, real quick, just kind of a side note, I'm just thinking, is a lot of times I think people think I have to have a theology or I have to know so much scripture or I have to know God in a certain way or like have to be deserving. Yeah. Or deserving or like uh, perfect. Like there's all these things like we think we have to know. And at the time, you know, we were baby Christians, maybe really saved for months if that, and I had no idea, but all I knew was the Bible said that God heals and he was our father in case he asked and he did it. And all I knew is it just happened. And some people say, well, God doesn't heal or he doesn't do these things or that was God in the Old Testament. And all I know is he did it. And the crazy thing is, is so at the end of the service, John went up to Jody and he said, I just wanted to let you know that my wife received that healing tonight. And he said, congratulations, daddy. And I was pregnant two weeks later with our oldest daughter, our oldest. Yeah. And then uh, since then, uh, we, we to- have a total of three kids and uh, have all been a blessing. So um, that is just one story of many. So what's another story that we said we were going to talk about? Um, okay, well, we didn't actually talk about this, but it came to my mind okay. when, we were ta- when we were sharing this testimony. So um, some of you may have heard the saying that if you've been through it, then you have authority over it. Okay. And um, so we actually have had... Uh, specific times in our life that the Lord has called us to pray over people who have been not able to have children who've actually had children. You're talking about the time at our Bible study? Yeah, there's two two different couples (laughs) that have, uh, one of them has three kids and one of them has four kids um, that just happened to just be in our life group and... um, Anyway, one of them for sure probably wouldn't care if we shared their their stuff. But before I do that, I'll we might do that another time, and I'll just check with them. But um, that'd be fun to have them on. Yeah. 
Um, but they were in our our personal life group, this couple in particular that I'm thinking of. And um, basically, they had had a miscarriage and were having a really difficult time getting pregnant and didn't think it was going to happen. And they were getting older. And and the Lord just spoke to them that um, through our, our life group, this was a prophetic life group that we had at the time. And we didn't know any of this had happened, but we just gave them a word um, about what God was going to do and that He was healing and He was restoring and doing things in their life. Well, that allowed her to open up with us and share what everything that had happened. And the Lord led me to lay hands on her, and uh, they got pregnant with their first baby very shortly after yeah, that. Yeah, that was awesome. And it was, really, it was really amazing. I forgot about that. That was a good story. Yeah. Okay, so what else? Um. So we were young, and uh, you want to talk about our first business, just brief? Yeah, so um, I'll hit it really quick. So um, the same people that uh, were your pageant parents had come to us and said, uh, knew that I was uh, going to school for accounting and business and had mentioned uh, that this business had come up for sale and that we might be interested uh, looking in how to buy it. The lady, uh, because of health reasons with her parents, had to get out. And uh, so, mind you, I'm a three-year student, two-and-a-half-year, three-year student in college. Um, I have no money at all. I actually had debt, um, no experience in business, and... um, it went to the bank, and, and I'm really just hacking this story, but it's just kind of funny. I'd been to the bank a month earlier asking for a job as a teller, uh, speed up 30 days. Now I'm back at the bank uh, asking the bank for a loan uh, for money to buy a business. Now let me let me interject this part because okay. I feel like we both have pieces of it. But okay. but one of the cool things about this was um, when we were obedient to get married mm-hmm. is when we began to see breakthroughs happen. Yes, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So totally, this is all after we got married and we started seeing breakthrough. Like God was kind of honoring the fact that we were obedient and we had nothing. So. Um, I went to the bank. They basically said I needed to come up with money, had no money. I had a really uh, bad relationship at the time with my father, um, and I didn't even own a vehicle, and I needed a vehicle um, and also needed a down payment to buy this business. So my dad gave me the title to his uh, Jeep that I bought. We made payments, gave me the Jeep. I used the Jeep as collateral to buy the business. And uh, that allowed us to get our foot in the door. And then I worked for free for two weeks for the lady that we were buying the business from to learn how to do stuff. And uh, she said, well, I'll be around to help uh, when you guys have questions or anything like that. But after two weeks was up, she left. And uh, because of circumstances with her parents or family or whatever, literally, uh, I was like, it was sink or swim. So we were 19 and 20, had just um, basically left school and gotten married and then owned our first business. But the way that God handed us that business really catapulted us into our life, Yeah, I believe. So we went from having nothing to having, uh, and this sounds funny, I didn't even have a car at the time. So we went from having nothing to had my first car. We had my car. Well, you had yours, but obviously my car. Like yeah. I actually owned a car myself. Um, had a car. We got a business. We're married. Um, 
you're pregnant now. Um, so all this, like God had just literally done miracle after miracle after miracle all within, this is, this was within a couple months. I would think, yeah, if I remember right, I think for I got, sure within I mean, less than yeah. six months. I got pregnant in the first year, yeah. but that was toward the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was, um, so that was, I didn't even, I forgot about that to share that. So that was another testimony. Um, what else were we going to share? So, um, I think on the, um, the subject of obedience. Yeah. Um, so during this time early in our marriage, um, you know, we, we really had to work through a lot of things. So I kind of want to put that out there so that people understand that this is a process of years and the things that we have seen God do throughout our life. None of that is, um, like an instant overnight anything. A lot of things were years and years of, you know, prayer or years and years of um, even, you know, heartache and turmoil and um, really seeking God and in prayer. Um, And at one point when we were younger, we had a word spoken over us by our pastors. And that word was... um, that we were going to live a life of obedience like Abraham and Sarah. And it was a really interesting word at the time. We kind of didn't understand it because we were so young. But looking back on our life, I would say that probably one of the biggest themes of our life has been obedience. Um, you know, the first step of obedience that we consider even our salvation day is our wedding day because we said we're never looking back. And then we came out of you know, very challenging circumstances and situations. And so, uh, you know, I want to say something real quick, um, especially with what is going on just in the world and all the things that we see right now. You know, it was, I grew up with a poverty mindset. Um, I blamed my parents, obviously, which anybody could just, you know, alcohols, alcohol and drugs and sexual abuse and all these things. Like it was really easy in in Casey to, to be quote unquote victims. And it, at one point the Lord, you know, just really showed me that I had a victim mentality and that, uh, I also viewed that people that had stuff like we should have that because they have it. It was this mindset of like, well, if you have it, I should, because I was uh, a victim and I had to go through this and I had it like this. It's not fair. And I really, the Lord opened my eyes to see that, you know, I'm not a victim. We're God's children. We're blessed. We're anointed. We're favored. And I could walk around the rest of my life being a victim or I could be victorious. And Casey and I chose to really uh, own our stuff. And what I mean by that is, you know, we were broken. And when I mean broken, I mean a mess. Um, I had wrong thoughts about God, about people, about money, everything. And we chose to go to the Word and said, and, and said God, what do you have to say about who we are. What do you have to say about our marriage? What do you have to say about our finances? And really, uh, the scripture I'm thinking about is uh, it's in Corinthians about renewing our mind. Mm -hmm. And I I might be screwing that up, but the scripture exists. But renewing our mind because it was just faulty wiring in my brain. And I feel like that's so important because it is so easy 
to be a victim, but that is not who we are as God's children. We are not victims. We are victorious. And if we would not be where we are today, had we not chosen to be obedient and to also say, God, do your work. And it was really, really hard because what that meant was, is I was wrong in my thoughts. I was wrong in my beliefs, the way I looked at people, the way I looked at God. And I really was challenged at every level, emotionally, physically, just everything about how I, uh, how I saw stuff and had to choose this stuff, uh, how to, how, how to choose a new life. Um, if any of you are interested, a, a recent book that I thought was fascinating, a, a guy wrote, it's called extreme ownership. I think I don't even see it on my shelf. Um, a Navy SEAL wrote it, wrote it, but he's even talking, he's just talking about it from a worldly view about just owning your stuff and you have a choice to move forward. So anyway, side note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, and so, yeah, you, I mean, you definitely, it comes down to a choice. And, um, so I think where I was going with that was, um, just looking at the pattern of where our siblings and people around us, the choices that they made because of the circumstances that we grew up in and kind of where they ended up, um, all of them ended up in pretty bad places. So we've had um, recently, just this past April, actually April 11th, my oldest brother was murdered um, in a very bad situation. Um, We're not sure the specifics of it because it's an ongoing investigation and we can't share a lot about it. But what I can say is that he did choose to live a life of drugs and he chose to um, live that life and not get free freedom that God can give and not obey and not walk in Christ. And, um, so he lived a very, you know, in the end it, it was really sad because he had a wife and, and two daughters and he left them and he left this world with nothing. And, um, you know, that's heartbreaking. Um, and we've seen that over and over again with our siblings, with our parents, um, with a lot of people around us because of the choices that they made in their life. And and John and I choosing to walk in obedience has been, um, it was difficult in the beginning, but it gets easier and it's the best thing you can do for a life that is congruent with what God has for you, but even just the life of miracles and the scripture um, that the Lord gave me for this was Ecclesiastes 3.11. And interestingly, we have this scripture actually on our driveway. We carved it in before we moved in. We put scriptures all around, but this one is in our driveway. And it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so that scripture is just so powerful when you really break that down and think about what he is saying. Um, There's a timeline for everything and we can't even fathom the heart of God for us. The only way we can step into that is by walking with him hand in hand, according to his will, his plan, his purpose, and trusting him um, through all of the seasons of life so that we can 
experience His goodness. And I feel like that's what we're talking about today because there's just so much craziness going on in the world today. And we have, John and I have had to overcome so much in our life, but we don't look at it and think like, oh, our life was so hard or so bad or whatever. We've allowed God to work. And in His working, um, we have experienced His goodness. And so these testimonies are things that we think about because it, it just lifts you up. It makes you um, just so grateful and just so thankful that you've chosen to walk with Him and step with Him in obedience, even blindly sometimes, not knowing you know what what's on the other side and, and leaving behind things that sometimes look really, really good. Um, and we've done that our whole life. And so looking back on that, that's really what the focus of today's podcast for us um, was just to give God glory for so many of the things that he's done. Yeah. So I just want to tell you guys, I, I think I do want to end it with um, the last story about Matt, Matthew, this is the last note. Okay. But whatever you guys are going through, I just want to encourage you, like, instead of asking God, why is this happening to me? Or, you know, I'm sure some of you are in really bad circumstances. The question, that's the wrong question to ask God. The question is to say, God, what do you want to do through me? And how do I, how can I partner with you and the Holy Spirit in this situation right now and move forward? Because God had an answer for whatever circumstance you're going through right now before you even started going through it because he knew it was going to happen. And he's, he can literally orchestrate things and people in your life uh, to get you through it. And I mean, we've just told you guys two or three stories. I mean, I feel like we have two or three a year. Uh, yeah. And I've probably forgotten more than we remember right now. Um, but I want to end with this because a lot of people have asked us. We posted some stuff on Facebook. A lot of people have asked us what happened recently uh, with Casey's younger brother, uh, Matthew. And uh, you want me to start it off just real quick? Okay, so um, and you can correct me as usual as we go. But um, it was really heavy on Casey's heart. Uh, Matthew uh, had been missing for, uh, what, six, we hadn't heard from him for six months or three or four, somewhere in there. Six months. Six months, hadn't exactly. heard from him. Um, he, uh, because of circumstances, got shipped to Austin uh, on a bus. Uh, he had a cell phone that night. We offered to pay for him um, a hotel because uh, he was supposed to check himself into rehab the next day. And uh, he couldn't get into the hotel. And then after that, uh, we never heard from him again. So uh, just recently, it was real heavy on Casey's heart. Uh, she's praying for him. and um, Well, and mostly because um, he just has chosen to live a life of drugs again. Yeah. And uh, everyone's, you know, um, patience, I guess, is the word. Yeah, it had ran out. Had just kind of ran out, and no one knew what to do with him anymore, and he was very resistant. He wouldn't get help. He wouldn't receive help. He wouldn't listen to anybody, and after our uh, older brother was murdered, uh, we kind of went through a few months of just being in shock, but then coming to out of that and coming to a place of realizing, like, you know, your siblings are your siblings and you love them and you never want to lose a sibling. It's a very hard thing. Even when, you know, you've 
not talked for a while or they're doing things that you don't approve of, you know, all of that. Um, if anything, that can make it even harder because there's things that you wanted, you know, to say or you didn't get that closure. You know, there's just so many factors. But um, so we all kind of felt this real strong need to locate him and try to help him if we could. So um, so we were praying and uh, again, going back, it was real heavy on Casey's heart. She's like, we, we need to find Matt. And uh, she really, I, 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 and I'm assuming, but you really thought he was dead. I mean, you kind of a little bit gave up. I, I felt, felt a little hopeless. I felt like it was possible because of everything that had been going on and everything in the news was, you know, all the rioting going on in downtown Austin. And then they were even talking about, um, you know, homeless people's stuff getting burned and them yeah. getting attacked. And just the fact that he was just, he was really, really bad off and he hadn't even called anyone. So, yeah. you know, we just had no idea. And that night um, that I felt really heavy, I was up all night praying, you know, off and on through the whole night, um, just interceding for him because I felt so heavy. Yeah. So then uh, the next morning, we uh, we ended up staying home from church. Uh, well, no, it wasn't the next morning. That was on Thursday. Okay, so Thursday. So Sunday morning, we ended up staying home from church. We were going to watch service uh, on YouTube. And uh, we're sitting there in bed, and Casey's phone rings. And we uh, didn't recognize the number. We just assumed it was a sales call. And I think I actually just said, just answer it. Um, you answered the phone, and Casey was could hear... Uh, like music in the background, wasn't sure what it was. Well, no, I heard worship music playing in the background right away. Okay, and I heard uh, Casey, and I looked over as soon as I heard the phone, and I said, Casey, that's Matt. And then why don't you kind of take it from there? Yeah, so he just, he said, I thought you were going to be, you were going to be at church. Um, But we had had a birthday party the night before. And we were up all night long with teenagers, which it was really fun, but we didn't sleep, so we knew we were going to be home. And so um, he he just tells us his location. We happened to be going to Austin the following week on Wednesday. And so I'm asking him, you know, what bridge are you living under, you know, trying to get his... So he gives me his the streets that cross and the bridge that he's under and everything. And so basically we made a plan that when we, we were going to Austin anyway, so the timing was just totally God. Um, and we, um, were leaving that following Wednesday. So all we had was a phone number of a cell phone that somebody, we had no idea who it was. Yeah. No idea who it was. And in a bridge and a bridge with some streets, you know, crossing where he, he might be. And, um, we got a late start, and so I thought, well, I'm going to text this number. I thought it was probably some druggie, um, you know, just made sense. So I um, I texted it, and I said, hi, this is Casey. Um, I'm Matt's sister. We're on the way to Austin, but we're running really late. And I get this message back, and he says, this is Stephen. I'm the guy who's been praying with your brother. And we find out that... Stephen has been part of a group of people that go down and put on a church service every Sunday. And our brother Matt had been um, 
going the last like three weeks, he had been going down there um, for prayer. They, they were walking over and praying with him. And I guess this Sunday that he called me was the first Sunday he had asked for prayer himself. And he asked, um, Stephen asked Matt, well, what would you like prayer for? And he said, to be reunited with my family, but I don't know if they'll have me back. And so God was already orchestrating every little detail um, before we even got there. So we, um, so Stephen decides uh, to help us out. Um, he says, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'll go pick up Matt for you." And mind you, this is like eleven, twelve o'clock at night. Um, and looking forward, I'm so thankful. Like having seen the bridge the next day, there was probably a hundred, yeah, yeah, or more. There were hundreds of people living under this bridge. So I doubt we would have found them. Um, and then. So uh, Stephen picks up Matt and leaves him at a uh, Walgreens for us right next to a red box. And uh, so we pull into town and uh, he, he sends us a text and says, hey, just dropped off Matt. He's there. And uh, we pull up and sure enough, there's Matt. Uh, with He looks like a uh, Duck Dynasty, <laughs> huge beard and uh, just good old Matt looking. I mean, looks looks rough, man, looks homeless. And uh, we get out and he, he gives us a big hug and. He had uh, no teeth, didn't realize how long he'd been there. He thought he'd been there a year and a half. I said, yeah, it you know, probably feels like it when you're living on the streets. Yeah. It was rough. Um, he'd only been there for six months. So uh, we, we pick up Matt, we take him to, we get him a hotel, and um, we drop him off that night, said we'll be there the next morning. And uh, so we get there the next morning, and um, we we pull up, and answer the door and uh it smells uh open the door and there's a guy there we have no idea who the who this guy is and uh smells like weed and we're like great and uh can't get it matt's in the matt's in the shower and in this guy i'm like who the heck are you and he's like oh i'm from friends with matt and under the bridge and we kind of matt had mentioned somebody but we didn't realize he was there so uh we have to throw him out nicely. I wasn't mean about it, but just said, hey, you need to get out of here, pack your crap and go. And uh, we end up hanging out with Matt a little bit for, and I'm speeding up the process for a couple days, and you can kind of intervene anywhere on this, but um, <coughs> Matt has a couple nervous breakdowns, I yeah. guess I would say. And Well, I think the main thing was in this process was I felt really strongly that we were supposed to love on him and give him a few days to just be taken care of, like yeah. to sleep and to eat. His Give just him basic clothes, yeah. yeah, basic needs and just to know that he was loved. Yeah. So um and I'm kind of summarizing a lot of stuff that happened. So we literally just loved on him, took him to lunch a couple times, bought him clothes, shoes. Um we tried to get him a haircut, but that didn't he kind of that he was having a breakdown a little bit that day. So we decided not to take him. Um, and then at that point we were at calling around trying to find like, we need to get him help. And, uh, there was one day specifically, uh, he had a breakdown. Matt did. We were looking at cars. He had a breakdown in a parking lot and started freaking out. And I took him back and, uh, I was so emotionally overwhelmed I felt so helpless in a situation. Now, mind you, um, for those of you who don't know, we run a pretty good-sized construction company. I handle 
a lot of stress with a lot of people all the time. But the difference is, is I usually feel like I can fix it because that's what I do. I fix problems all day long. This is, I was put in a situation. I was like, God, I can't fix this. And I don't even have an answer. And I sat in the parking lot for a couple minutes after I dropped off Matt and I cried and just literally I said, Lord, you have to intervene because I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. I, I'm in a town. I don't even know anybody. Now, mind you, we were on vacation. Yeah, we're on vacation. <laughs> this was supposed to be our family vacation. Um, but, you know, God orchestrated all these things. And um, the testimony that came out of this, though, so Stephen was just a lifeline. and Amazing guy. God was using him. And we so we met him for lunch one morning. Um an early lunch and um, we sat down and got to hear his testimony and uh, we're going to speed this up. So this isn't, uh, isn't too much longer, but we want you to hear all the things God did too. Um, So his testimony was just really powerful and he really had a heart for the homeless and uh, he, the ministry that he was part of, uh, what, what, what was the name of it again? Do you remember? No, I don't. We'll put it in the show notes because they are awesome. Yeah, people. they were they were really amazing. Um, but he hooked us up with a lady um, who had some connections to some um, rehabs uh, that we could potentially get mad in. Well, she called someone that she knew, and there was a three month wait, and they made an exception. And they said that they would take him, but we had to have all the, you know, the intake gave us this whole list of stuff we had to have. And this was just such an emotional process because on one hand, I was seeing everything God was doing and how he had lined everything out. But then I would get, you know, like talk to someone and it would be, um, uh, you know, well, here's what you have to have to get in. And it would look impossible and I just broke down crying, and I told John, I don't, I don't think he's going to get in. We, he had to have 30 days of meds. We were only there for a couple more days, and it was the weekend. Um, I, I didn't even know where to start with that. You need to have uh, an identifi- ID, ID identification, which everything had been stolen. stolen. Yeah, you know, it just the list went on and on, and it felt overwhelming. But we happened to um, get him to a place that did a temporary ID. And, and, and I want to say a shout out to that church. I took a picture of that church when we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was homeless everywhere, but it's funny. They have a sign that says, Welcome to Sunrise Church. Uh, it's sunriseaustin.org. I don't know anything about the church. Um, it says the weirdest little church in Texas, which is funny. But I do want to say I don't know anything about the church, but I do want to tell them thank you so much. Uh, they have a ministry that I saw. They were helping hundreds of homeless people. They, they were. were feeding, watering them, and then they were giving them IDs. If it wasn't for them, literally, uh, to help us to get Matt an ID, uh, um, uh, they were able to to help us. And uh, But anyways, thank you. Sunrise Church was a huge blessing for us. And uh, so, yeah, and they... It just worked out. Everything came together. They took him in. They've uh, he agreed to go, which was an absolute miracle in itself. So, just the whole process was amazing. Yeah. Um, so the all that to be said, it was literally the coolest part. I think the whole thing was is is 
it was on our heart to find him. It was it, it was like finding a needle in a haystack. And in the midst of all that, God answered that prayer, found him. Stephen helped us. And then we were able um, to find, not just find Matthew, but be able to find help, find people that wanted to help. And um, so anyways, just that whole thing was literally a miracle from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. So we can edit that. So um is there anything else that comes to your mind on that? Mm-mm. Okay. So as we wrap up, I, we just wanted to share, these are just stories of things past and recent uh, of just how amazing uh, God is. And when things in your life don't make sense, that walking in obedience, there's just something about it that when we walk in obedience, it allows uh, God and the Holy Spirit just to move on our behalf and to open doors that we never thought possible to open. So uh, thank you, Jesus, for that. Uh, I just want to encourage you guys, whatever you're going through, uh, whether in your car, you're listening right now, maybe you got headphones on at the gym or you're just at your house, just to take the time and just ask the Father, say, you know, Father, what do you want to do in this circumstance? And just keep pressing in until you get an answer. And, and no matter how hard it is, just encourage you to do it. And uh, please take the time, send us an email on the website or uh, put something on uh, iTunes or whatever, leave a message on Facebook. We would love to hear your testimonies because um, I want to read your testimonies, honestly, just if, if we can before a show a little bit or give a quick overview, because what it does is it encourages others to see what God is doing and can do in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anything else beautiful? Um, this scripture, Deuteronomy 5.33 says, walk in obedience to all that the Lord, your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. And, um, I know that there is a faith chapter also in Hebrews, I believe Mm -hmm. it's Hebrews 11. Um, and, um, I, that, that is really what I feel like is the key to walking in um, the testimonies of God because sometimes what looks hard or seems hard really ends up being your biggest blessing. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. All right, guys. Love to hear your testimonies. I hope this encouraged you. You guys have a blessed day. And remember... Be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.